Today's episode of Unseen is sponsored by BetterHelp. Whether you're looking to level up your mental wellness or simply trying to survive 2021, we're all in need of a little therapy right now. And that's why Team Unseen recommends BetterHelp. BetterHelp is professional counseling done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise available. You can start communicating in under 48 hours and the service is available for clients worldwide. You can message your counselor anytime and you'll get timely and thoughtful responses. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. And as a special offer for unseen listeners, you can get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com unseen. That's betterhelp.com unseen. Join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Again, that's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com. The following episode contains depictions of fantasy violence and gore, discussions of child abuse, and mentions of miscarriage. Listener discretion is advised. Story Short Productions presents Unseen Midsummer Special Midsummer Highland Falls by Emily Vanderwerf and Libby Hill You sure you want to hear my story? It's a bit of a fairy tale. Oh, Janie, I love fairy tales. Let us hear it. Please. Well, all right, if you insist. Part 1. Janie. I didn't want to go to Highland Falls. That was Alice's idea. Alice was an ideas person. She introduced herself to me as such, 
I'm Alice. I'm an ideas person. So Highland Falls was Alice's idea. But Highland Falls held my destiny. I just didn't know it then. That was six years ago. I was 27, and I was increasingly embarrassed when I said the words, I'm Janie, and I'm a dancer, at parties. Tom once said, Failure is the shadow cast by embarrassment. The shame always comes first. And then, bit by bit, you've failed. Tom. He said that to me our first Christmas. The house was drafty as hell and snow blew in through the cracks. But he lit a big fire in the back room and pushed all the furniture to the sides so I could do the dance of the Sugar Plum Fairy. I remembered every step from when I first did it at 14. He cheered and I... Where was I? Ah, right. Alice is from Highland Falls. Uh, It's just outside New York, barely even a town. Her family has a big party on the summer solstice every year. Her mom calls it reverse Christmas because you were just about as far as you could get from the holidays in either direction. It turned out Alice had a reason to go home. She wanted to tell her parents she had gotten the lead in the gender-flipped Paul Bunyan musical. Yep, she's that Alice. She was my roommate. (laughs) It's wild, huh? She hadn't told me she'd gotten the part. She knew how mad I'd be, and... Yeah, when I found out, I was that mad. But I was so happy for her, too. I loved her, which pissed me off more. So I left the party. And that's when I met him. Tom Linwood, standing in a tree. He waved at me, like he knew I was coming. Like he'd meet his future wife standing in a tree. He reached into the branches and pulled out a kite. There were kids below him. He tossed the kite down and they ran off with it. But he stayed in the tree. Shouldn't you get down? I said, and he replied, wanted to see if I could find anything else up here. Any luck? I said. As a matter of fact, yes. He smiled at me, and I knew. We talked on the phone every day when I got back to New York. He asked me lots of questions about my life and told me about his life in as few words as possible. He wouldn't come and stay with me. Said he'd feel cooped up. I got it. I lived in a cruddy apartment in Queens. I felt trapped too. That was when I realized he was scared of someone. Or something. That was when I started thinking about taking him to Summerwind. Let me see. Let me see from you square and then into a rip. I'll try to say it. I don't know. Ready? And, turn 
Summerwind was this mansion in northern Wisconsin I inherited after my grandfather died. It was a wreck. Grandpa had meant to fix it up, but never had the time. You'd swear it was haunted. In his will, he said, To Janie, I give Summerwind. May she have space for her dreams. My family is like that. Minnesotan to a fault. Realizing I needed space for my dreams, but assuming a crappy haunted house would do. When I told Tom about Summer Wind, he wanted to fix it up. He said he felt safest with the woods all around him and water at his back. And since Summer Wind was right up against a lake, well... And I was ready to leave New York, too. 27 isn't too old to be a dancer, but... It's too old to hope you'll suddenly become a much better dancer. And I had fallen hard for Tom. That's when you started seeing me? Yes. That's when I started... Seeing her, the queen. I first saw her at rehearsal, my last July in the city. She was standing against the far wall wearing a dark blue cloak, and she had a hood up around her face. And I, I just knew she was watching me. I saw her at rehearsal, I saw her on the subway at a hot dog cart, in the middle of Times Square. Nobody else seemed to see her, but they knew how to move around her all the same. She was always looking at me. I knew that. I should have told Tom, but how do you say you think you've invented a mystery woman? You're a mystery too, Janie. So I moved to Summerwind. What happened to Tom is a matter of debate. But everyone agrees on one thing. It happened at Summerwind. We moved in at the end of that summer. It took a while, but it started to feel like a home. We got married there a year after we moved in. Just us and Reverend Wendy and some friends from town. But we lived there for nearly five years and never quite made it a home. When I say it started to feel like one, I mean it started to feel familiar. We got used to the rotting floorboards on the third floor, the trash that piled up, and the draft we could never find the source of in the basement. Some railroad tycoon built it back in the 1890s. Summer wind. It has turrets and everything. When I was little, I loved exploring it because I half expected to open a door and tumble through into another world. When I lived there, I started to fear that. I started to fear I'd open a door and poof, magic. I'd be back in my life before, but emptier somehow. I had a vague sense it was all too good to be true. And it was. 
It was. It was too good to be true. There are only three known facts about Tom's disappearance. Fact one. On June 21st, one year ago, Tom and Janie Linwood rode to the middle of West Bay Lake for unexplained reasons. When morning came, only Janie returned to shore. Fact two. The dogs found evidence someone else had been there. Who that someone was, no one could say. Fact three. All that anyone found of Tom was his arm. Detached right at the shoulder. It washed up on the shore later that morning. And I know what you're thinking. I was on the boat. I should know. But I don't. I have no idea. Both stories I'm about to tell you are true. Neither story I'm about to tell is true. There's only one thing that's certain. One moment Tom was there, the next he wasn't. (sighs) Story one. Part two, the UFO. If anywhere in Summer Wind is haunted, it's the basement. The furnace was down there. Big, old, scary-looking thing. When I visited my grandfather as a girl, we would look into the furnace, see it glowing orange. He would sneak away, and I would pretend not to notice, and then he would switch off the lights and ask me if I saw any monsters in the fire. I did! Who wouldn't? Tom's lab was down there. He spent weeks working on a machine. An advanced detection system, he said. I sometimes kept him company while he worked. We talked about my past, about our plans, about the kids we wanted to have. We talked about everything but what he was working on. I would catch myself looking at the furnace sometimes, trying to find monsters. Reality would go fuzzy, like I wasn't quite inside my body anymore. And then I'd hear Tom's voice. Eyes on me, Janie Jane, he'd say with a smile. I'd be right back. God, that smile. Not... Every day at Summer Wind was good. That last year especially was hard. I stopped leaving, and then he stopped leaving, and I worried we were haunting the house. Wherever you live, you have to leave space for what's broken inside of you. In a studio apartment, there's very little room for those broken things. In a house like Summer Wind, though... So you build a place for those broken things to stay, and you find someone broken in some compatible way. I had the place and I had the person, I just had to make them feel like my own. So I cooked and I cleaned and I tried to brute force that crumbling house into a home. 
Tom and I found ways to go on dates, even as our radius grew ever smaller. The weekend in Green Bay became too much for me, so instead we'd have dinner at the bar in town. And when that was too much, we'd lay in the backyard and look at the stars. We made love almost every night, and even though we didn't talk about it much, we both knew we were trying to get pregnant. We wanted a child so badly, because then Summerwind would be our baby's first home, instead of a wreck two messed up people were trying to will into somewhere livable. It would be where someone grew up and took their first steps, where Tom and Janie Linwood made something better than what they were given. We didn't get pregnant. It was silly, but I started to resent the machine. Like that was Tom's real child somehow. Silly, right? I don't think it's silly. Oh, of course it's silly. I was jealous of a piece of junk. (sighs) The machine was just a car hubcap he had burnished until it shined. He'd attached electronic sensors to it, as well as a thermometer and a barometer. Solar panels lined the sides, and it stored enough energy to turn of its own volition 24-7. He put it on a pole and pointed it to the sky. He said it was an alarm, a warning for when the people who raised him returned. He had never told me about the people who raised him, just offhand mentions here and there. So one night at dinner, I tried to get him to tell me. He looked at me for a long time, then finally said, If you hear the alarm, I want you to run. Don't worry about me. I'll be fine. I said, I didn't ask you about the alarm. I asked you who your family is. He didn't answer that time either. The alarm is an old music box, he said. I hooked it up to play really loud. I shook my head. Who's coming, Tom? He stared at me a long time. Who's coming, Tom? Who? Are you watching closely? You'll see, he said. He was right. I did. I was tempted to stop the machine as it rotated. I felt a little like it was mocking me. I'm built to go in circles, lady. What's your excuse? But I never did. And then one night it went off. I didn't know what I was hearing. The machine went nuts. Every sensor beeped and clattered and clanged. Tom ran upstairs and started herding me towards the front door. I love you so much, he said, but we're out of time. I planted my feet and said, we have time. He pointed to the door and told me to run. We have time. He looked at me, looked at the door, looked at the machine, which was somehow even louder, and then he said the craziest thing. He said he had escaped. 
from space aliens. He was born in 1765 outside New York City. One night when he was little, the sky opened up and dragged him back into its mouth. Tom didn't lie about anything. It was honestly annoying. I mean, who doesn't lie? So I believed him, even though most people might not have. Besides, something was making the machine go nuts like that. So I said, I'm not letting you go without a fight. He started to say something, but I cut him off. The boat. We'll take it across the lake and hide in the woods. He frowned, saying it was worth a shot. That was his first lie. On the boat, he told me the rest. The aliens were unearthly tall beings with what looked like long cloaks covering their bodies. He called one of them the Queen. Yeah, that. At some point, he slipped onto a ship traveling back to Earth. It was nearly 250 years since his disappearance, and everything was different. He climbed onto a tree to get his bearings and saw... Me. Imagine that. You get back to Earth and the first person you see is me. That has to be kind of a disappointment, huh? I wouldn't say that. Thanks. That's what he said, too. That the second he saw me, it was love at first sight. They'd have to drag him back off this planet kicking and screaming. Which, of course, they did. He stopped rowing in the middle of the lake. We're too late, he said. I took the oars, but he stopped me and pointed up at it. I expected lights or a shadow like you'd see in a movie, but what I saw was like a lazy mirror spread across the sky. It was reflecting what was below, but also not. What was right above us when I looked up was summer wind. Seen from above, like the house had followed us somehow. And even though I had the sense that whatever it was had stopped directly above us, the reflection across its bottom slowly continued to move past summer wind, through the yard, over the machine, out over the water, like a single strip of the earth suddenly started rotating more slowly. Something in the underbelly of the reflection slid open and there was this awful noise. I screamed. When I looked back up, Tom was clinging to the boat with both hands, his legs floating up into the air. He was frantic, eyes bulging, sweat pouring. The light didn't touch me, it didn't care about me. It only cared about him, and I knew if I grabbed for him, the light might start to care about me too. Then Tom lost his grip. He shook his head, trying to stop me grabbing for him. But I didn't see that. I saw a boy in a tree producing a kite like a rabbit out of a hat. I saw a girl too scared to try, but also too scared to give up. I saw him, and I saw me, and I saw what I had to lose. So I jumped. And I caught him. He laughed. Eyes on me, Janie Jane! 
so we stared into each other's eyes. The pull from the ship was so strong, but I wasn't gonna let him go. They couldn't take him just because they wanted him. He looked down and saw my feet slipping clear of the boat. He shook his head and he whispered to me. And even though I couldn't hear anything else over the endless noise of that endless ship, I heard this. I ran across a whole galaxy to find you once. I can do it again. And he pulled away. His whole arm came loose. He pinwheeled away from me, streaming blood. I crashed back onto the boat and hit my head. I passed out. When I woke up, he was gone. His arm was lying next to me, so I pushed it into the lake. When I got back to shore, it was too quiet. The birds were gone, the insects. The machine was stock still. I was deeply offended by how it had abandoned me. I sat down and I stared at it, waiting for it to call him back. I was still staring when the police arrived to ask their questions. Of course, that's just one way it might have happened. There's a whole other story. Part 3 The Wild Hunt The morning he vanished, Tom woke up before the sun. He woke me up, too. Our bedroom was on the second floor, and he was in the basement, but I heard him cursing up a storm in my sleep. When I got to his lab, he was covered in dirt, shoving around the stuff down there. Wait. I thought it was empty. Right. You're right. It was. It was empty. I just mean that my family stored some junk down there. That was what Tom was shoving around. Old boxes full of crap nobody had looked at in years. Look what the cat dragged in, he said. There was a kitten on his workbench, pitch black, purring happily next to a little saucer. Tom tried to move an old piano aside. I went to help him, and he waved me off, said I shouldn't. I asked him why he was up so early, so he pointed at the kitten. She got in somehow, he said. She was just sitting on my workbench. I asked him how she managed to wake him, but he went back to moving the piano. And then he figured it out. After he moved the piano aside, he opened up just enough of a gap to see behind the furnace. There's a space back here, he said. She must have gotten in that way. He wedged his arm in up to his shoulder and... I don't really remember what he found. It must not be important. He was going to try to cover up the hole until our handyman Dorothy could help with a permanent fix. He didn't want my help, so I did my chores, hung the laundry. It was a gorgeous day. I had half a mind to go for a swim when I saw the machine. 
It seemed it was spinning more quickly than usual. How I knew that, I couldn't have told you. It creeped me out. Suddenly, Tom was there, moving the machine, pointing it in another direction. The kitten followed him, pouncing on something in the grass. I asked him what he was doing, and he said that if they could get in through the tunnels, and they could, then he had always been looking in the wrong place. What the hell? He shook his head and said it wouldn't understand. I want to understand, I said. He just went back to working on the machine. He wasn't listening. That last year at Summerwind, I would be talking to my mom and she would say, Janie girl, are you okay? Of course I am, I said. When I was in college, my troop went on a tour of Europe. We stopped in Amsterdam and I went to this old church to explore. An artist had shattered a bunch of mirrors and laid them on the floor. They looked up at the ceiling in bits and pieces like there was another world where everything was built of jagged edges. Ever since I was a little girl, I've hated mirrors. I don't like the person I see there. She feels like an imposter. The real me has always been elsewhere. But when I looked in those mirrors, I felt like I finally saw myself split into pieces and not in a hurry to come back together. That was what I couldn't tell my mom that last year at Summerwind. I knew things were coming apart, but it made sense that they were. I felt like I was finally back inside that mirror, waiting for someone to sweep up my pieces so no one would stab themselves on me. Everything else I told you was true. Tom wouldn't tell me who was coming. The machine started going off. He tried to get me to go. I didn't want to go. And then he told me the craziest thing. He said the cat was a spy. He was a mess. And the alarm kept blaring, so I suggested the lake, going across to the forest. I scooped up the kitten because whatever was about to happen shouldn't happen to her but he put her in the bathroom and closed the door. A little paw poked out from underneath. She's watching us for her, he said. Who's her, I said. And he said, the queen. The queen of what, Tom? I barely hear him when he says, the queen of the fairies. Yup. The queen of the fairies. He said he was her most trusted knight. She had fallen in love with him, and it wasn't mutual. She was married to the king, anyway. Real Lancelot and Guinevere BS. He would escape, and she would use her wild hunt to track him down and take him back. But then, enter Janie. He said he loved me. That he could only stay bound to the human world through the bonds of true love. So I was his escape. I said that was an awful thing to say about the woman carrying his child. Yes, I was pregnant at the time. It's not relevant. He said when he saw me from that tree, he knew I was his true love. That's a lot to put on a girl, you know? You are the one and only person who can save me. Flattering, maybe, but I don't like anybody who tries to make me anything more than Janie Linwood. 
I'm just... me. He saw I was lost in that thought, so he said, Eyes on me, Janie Jane. It was like I saw him for the first time. He glowed a little in the moonlight. And I remembered that first night in Highland Falls. We went for ice cream. On the way out of the shop, I dropped mine. A lot of guys would have bought me more or given me their cone, but Tom dropped his too. Now we're equally unhappy, he said. For some reason, I liked that. And just as I'm remembering that, I see the look of terror in his eyes. I turned to look, and the kitten was standing on the shore of the lake. At least until she unfurled. That's the only word for it. She began to open up towards the sky like a plant. And from her emerged a woman, tall and regal and dressed in a cloak. And I knew her at once for who she was. She was the queen. And she had come to take him back. And I wasn't going to let her. The queen raised her hands and brought them together. They rolled like thunder. Tom clutched at his skin. Short, bristly hairs were sprouting from it. He said, Hold me tight, for I may change. So I did. I put my arms around him and I held him tight as he changed. I didn't have a great line of sight, but the queen seemed like she was rocking back and forth, humming to herself. And Tom began to unfurl too. First, he became a bear and he raged against me to let him go, but I held on. Then a mountain lion, snarling and biting, but I redoubled my efforts. I could see how furious the queen was getting, but I held him as he changed time and again. That's all a marriage is, really. Then he turned into a wolf and he kicked right at my abdomen and I... 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 And you lost the baby. In some version, yes, and in others, no. I have no baby in my arms, but maybe she's sleeping upstairs. The next morning, I returned to the shore and saw the tracks of a large dog disappearing into the nearby woods. He had gone with the queen, with you, back home. I was not the one who took him. I don't see anybody else who's six feet tall and dressed in a cloak. There must be several women who match that description. You'd be surprised. You've told me two stories now, both of which contradict each other, but both of which address one of the mysterious facts of your husband's disappearance. He lost his arm when the aliens took him. A woman like me was the mysterious presence on the shore. Both stories are true. Neither of them is. I see. Quite the puzzle. Okay, then. What didn't happen? You know you're the first person that's asked? Part 4. What Didn't Happen 
Grandpa called the furnace in the basement of Summerwind an octopus. It had arms reaching up to different vents, spreading heat throughout the whole house. It wasn't scary, but I was scared of it. I don't know why I'm saying this. It's not relevant. It's... We're talking about what didn't happen. Tell me about the furnace. Um, there was a room behind it. No, that's crazy. Hmm. No, I'd know about a whole room behind the furnace. This didn't happen. You're making it all up. So tell me about the room. Tell me, Janie. Uh, Tom squeezed behind the furnace to find the source of the draft. He found a door, open a tiny crack. Tiny cat paw tracks moved through the soot. Tom threw his shoulder into the door to open it more. It was a small, square room with a twin bed and a writing desk. A rusty bucket in the corner lay tipped over, and the closet door stood open. There were clothes inside. I could have sworn I wore the dress with the red flowers on it in my first grade picture. Someone had boarded over the windows, but a storm the night before had jarred one just loose enough that the kitten had squeezed her way in and found her way to us. Uh. Go on. Tom found a stack of drawings on the desk, done in crayon. A little girl in a dress covered in red flowers was in all of them, as was a woman, a tall woman in a long cloak with regal bearing, almost a queen. Sometimes they held hands. Sometimes the queen chased the girl, sometimes she cradled her, but the two of them, only the two of them were in the drawings. Had someone signed the drawings? I had. I mean, my younger self had. But I don't remember making those drawings. I don't remember being in that room. I don't remember. I remember being in that room. You do? Yes. I told Tom all about it. It was a beautiful night, and the kitten followed us outdoors. I picked her up and told him how, when you were a little girl, your grandfather had... We'll call it a religious awakening. He became convinced magic was real, and that if he could speak the right words, open the right door, it would make itself known to him. He spent his waning years on this. He failed until his granddaughter started telling him about a woman she had met out in the woods. A queen, who would protect her from monsters. Wait. Wait, 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 wait. He would have this little girl, we'll call her Janie, stare into the fire until she saw the monsters hiding there, until she said the queen had arrived to protect her. Then he would close her in the room with the paper, 
so that she might draw this queen with her secret knowledge that would hold the doors of magic open for him. He sometimes left Janie in there for days. That was supposed to be a secret. Why? It was safer that way. He boarded the room up. He left the house to his granddaughter. Out of guilt, I assume. I've never much understood what and why humans do. So you told all of that to Tom? What did he say? He took your hand, he hugged you, and he told you his story. Would you like to hear it? Yes. When she was 25 and living in Chicago, my mother saw a miracle. She was walking out on Navy Pier when she happened to look down into the water, and she saw a... She saw a woman swimming there, just beneath the surface of Lake Michigan, never coming up for air. My mother leaned down to look more closely, and the woman shook her finger, naughty, naughty, then disappeared into the depths. Of course, my mother thought, some people live underwater. How did I forget that? A switch had flipped. She would never see the world the same way again. She would see more. So she said, My whole childhood, I... I don't know if I can do this. Sorry. Hey, eyes on me. I love you, Tom. You don't have to carry this alone. Okay. My whole childhood, she would see things. Fairy or dragon or, I don't know, a balrog. And none of us kids would see it. She would drag us off further into the middle of nowhere because magic. Would you believe it congregates in cities? Who'd have thunk? My dad had enough when I was 11 and split. Well, would you believe her? My dad was a fairy prince who seduced her in the Krasberg Rose Garden then left her with a kid. So, obviously, I'm a special prince. I'm not a special prince. She's lying. She's a dangerously unstable woman. Terrified of magical creatures, but also trying to get them to accept her as one of them, living with six kids out in the woods in a house that was cold, cramped, and dirty. I was the oldest, so I had to protect the others from her. When... When my sister died, I... When Robin died, Mom made me go dig a grave for her out among the trees. It was winter, and there I was. 13 years old, digging a grave. I don't remember where Robin's buried. Um, upstate somewhere. That's awful. <laughs> yeah. My mom left one day and never came back. A few weeks later, she mailed me the schematics for a machine that was supposed to detect magical beings. She said when I got settled to build one and wait for her to come calling. 
which implies she got what she wanted and traded us in for that. Good for her? Joke's on her. If that thing goes off, I'm not sticking around to find out who's come calling. I'll kill her before I let her near you. This stuff breaks people, Tom. They turn into beasts out in the woods. They chase and they chase and they chase and they never get any closer to it. It was magic for your mom and my grandpa. But it could be money or God or love or having a baby or anything. People will give themselves away if they think something will solve them. But look at what they tried to do to us and we survived. We lived, Tom. We goddamn lived. And we found each other, that's a miracle. The odds were against us, but we... Tom? Yeah? I'm pregnant. Wait, really? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, Janie! He tried to get me to go. He said I still had a shot at escaping before she arrived, but I wouldn't go. I said we should take the boat. Out in the middle of the lake, he just stopped and stood up, looking back towards the shore. I didn't see anything when I turned to look. Eyes on me, Janie Jane, he said. He looked scared, sweaty. He looked small. I could see the parts of him that would make a good dad and parts that wouldn't. I could see the parts of him that would keep us together forever and the parts that would make me leave. Then he took my head and turned it to look back at the shore. He pointed exactly where I was supposed to look and he said, do you see her? He started yelling at her, telling her to come and get him. I wanted to see something. I tried to see something. I strained so hard I made the air go fuzzy, but I never saw anything. The shore was empty. He was broken. He was always broken, but I was broken too. I thought it was enough. It should... He backed away from me suddenly, clearly terrified. He very nearly tripped over the edge of the boat, but I caught him in time. His grip felt loose in my hand, like some part of him was already going away. Stay away from us, he said. And I told you never to talk to me again. And if you think you'll get to see our baby. I was watching him change before my very eyes into someone I could no longer hold on to. And then he shook off my hand and he shouted, I see it too! He dove into the water, swimming away from the boat as fast as he could. I thought about following, I did. But it suddenly got very dark, like something was in the sky blocking out the moon and stars. So I thought I should stay with the boat. I heard him splashing further and further away from the boat, and then I heard nothing at all. Just the wind on the water and the barking of a dog in the distance. 
You don't have to finish the story, Janie. I know how it ends. A half hour later, I heard him again. Janie! I don't know where I am! I called to him, trying to guide him, but I had no light to shine, and West Bay Lake is huge. They never found a body. Just an arm. I heard him one last time that night out on the boat. Janie, I found us a home at the bottom of the lake. It's so beautiful. And then he was silent. I half thought I hallucinated those last words. But I think he might be there in the lake, waiting for me to move in. Wherever he went, I couldn't follow. And then you showed up in the boat, urging me to keep going for the baby, if nothing else. I rode back to shore. I stopped the alarm. I waited for him to come back. Three whole days. Your standard miracle unit. When he didn't, I finally left Summerwind. Alice said I could move into her family's house in Highland Falls. I needed to be away from all magic, real or imaginary, and Highland Falls fit that bill. The last morning I was there, the landline phone I kept forgetting we had rang abruptly. I felt such dread, but I picked up anyway. Where's Tom? said a voice I'd never heard. Where's my son? I hung up immediately, and I got in my car, and I'm never going back. But that's what didn't happen. Part 5 The Queen Can I ask you a question? Of course. Why are you here? I mean, I can guess. Maybe I'm losing it and I hallucinated someone to talk to. Or... Maybe you're some sort of supernatural something I'm able to see for some reason. Maybe you're like a brainworm that Tom or my grandfather or someone passed on. Maybe I'm just making you up. Janie, I only ever show up for one reason. I was never chasing Tom. I was never chasing you either. I was trying to protect you. To warn you. You do this, Janie. You take things you don't want to think about and build stories on top of them. You have since you were a small girl. It's a gift. It's part of why I love you so fiercely, and why I will protect you until the ends of the earth. But it's also keeping you from seeing things as they are. If you're here to protect me, you can go. I'm safe in Highland Falls. Blessed solstice to you. Please, leave. Your husband disappeared one year ago, and here you sit, staring out the window as though you expect him to arrive imminently. Maybe he will. If he comes back, he will tonight. Do you believe that? <sighs> He's dead. 
whatever magic there is in the world, it's not bringing him back. And that I turn to you, my oldest companion, to keep vigil with me doesn't bode well, huh? I wouldn't say that. I was never trying to warn you about him. I was trying to tell you that sometimes two people who have each suffered greatly are drawn together for reasons they don't quite understand. That bond can feel more powerful than life or death. But it is a house built upon a rotten foundation. Secrets eat away at the wood until everything you've built splinters. I worried about you returning to the heart of your secrets. I wasn't protecting you from each other. I was protecting you both from the past. This is a fairy tale, after all. The monsters in it are real. I know the story. I wrote it. Go. I'll keep the watch. If you see him, I will call. Hey, 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 shh, shh, it's okay, it's okay, mommy's here, my love, eyes on me, eyes on me. This has been Unseen by Long Story Short Productions, based on an original idea by Gabrielle Urbina, with additional conceptual design work by Sarah Shackett. Today's episode was written by Emily Vanderwerf and Libby Hill and directed by Zach Valenti, with script editing by Gabrielle Urbina and Sarah Shackett. It starred Libby Woodbridge in the role of Janie Linwood. It also featured Mark Pagan, as Tom Linwood. Original music by Alan Rohde. This episode also features Oval Window by Yehez Kelraz. Sound design by Zach Valenti. Unseen is produced by Sarah Shackett, Zach Valenti, and Gabrielle Urbina, along with Angel Acevedo, Jen Schneider, and Amy Tangway. For more information on the Unseen world, please visit unseen.show. Thank you for listening. Well, hello there. Zach Valenti jumping into this episode with this final announcement, for this season anyway. It has been such a joy sharing these episodes with you. Thank you so much for your support both in the Kickstarter that made this whole thing possible and during the run of our first season. In honor of the season finale, we have something special that you can pre-order at our store. Check that out at unseen.show. You can find that on our website at www.unseen.show. 
If you haven't already, please take a moment to leave a rating or better yet, a review wherever you listen to podcasts. If you want to go a step further to support us and the show, please consider recommending a specific episode of Unseen to someone in your life. And if you'd like to go a step further still, please follow us on social media and keep your ears out for how you can support more of this show going forward. You can follow the show on both Twitter and Instagram at unseen.show. That's unseen, D-O-T-S-H-O-W. Well, that's all for now. Much love from all of us at Long Story Short Productions, and thanks again for listening. Until next time, keep watching closely.